Father in heaven, we thank you for this opportunity to come before your throne. Let us find mercy and grace to help us in our time of need. And Lord, we always need you. It's not even about whether we need you. We need you, and sometimes we don't even know how much. So we thank you that you take care of us, Lord. We don't even have to worry or wonder about certain things that we know they're all taken care of because we have a covenant with you. And it covers every single need that we have spiritually and naturally. And we thank you for that. We celebrate you today, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen and praise God. Amen. So we're going to get back into the word again today. We're still talking about the righteous slap. Amen. Amen. So for those of you who weren't here yesterday or... Maybe word here from the beginning of the year, we'd be slapping people all up in here, right? And it's totally legal. Amen. Amen. So I know most of y'all felt like you should have been slapped when you came in this morning, but you know what I'm saying? We should love people up in here, but we're going to slap you now. We didn't get you at the door, but amen. My right, Poppy? I think I'm trying to follow the Holy Ghost up in here. Amen. So praise God. So Psalm 141, that's our scripture. And, and uh, so you don't think I'm making this up or, you know, trying to do some off script in the name of the Lord. This is totally scripted. Amen. The scripture says, let the righteous slap me. Amen. It shall be a kindness and let him reprove me. It shall be an excellent oil, which shall not break my head. Amen. For yet my prayer also shall be in their calamities. In other words, his prayer will still be toward eradicating evil. Now that he's got his righteous slap, he knows what to pray for. He knows how to flip this life of his around. Amen. And so we talked about instances where people may need more than just a kind word to hear what God is saying or more than just a uh, a gentle nudge back over into the right place with God. There are many times where we've uh, veered off the road or off the main way that God wants us to travel on and he needs a way to get us back on the road again. Now the Bible also says in, in the Old Testament It talks about the the job of the watchman and the ministry of the watchman. And it says that if you see a man doing wicked things, you have to warn him or God, because you know better. You know the truth. It says if you don't do that, God will require that people's blood, person's blood at your hand. If he continues in wickedness and dies in his wickedness, amen. But if you tell him, you warn him, you've delivered your soul, whether he corrects himself or not. And so we're really merely messengers of the good news. Amen. This is good news. Whenever you get out of darkness over into light, you get help that you need from God. I mean, it's it's just a marvelous thing to think that God would, would take time to give you a word that will help you, give you a word that will deliver you or straighten you out or something like that. We talked about how many times just in casual conversation, 
you know, with the saints. And, and sometimes God will send somebody to you that you don't even know that has a word for you. Amen. A word that will lift you up, lighten your load and fit all your puzzle pieces into the right places. Amen. So this is for our good. This is God's plan um, to help us out of difficult situations. Amen. So so that we never get so far away that God can't reach us, can't touch us, can't help us, can't rescue us because we always need rescuing. You know, sometimes you can go so far down the road, you'll wonder if you'll ever get back right again. You got me? And and God wants those people to know that he loves you. He's looking for you. What does the Bible say? He'll leave the 90 and 9 and go for the one lost one. Amen. Not that he's neglecting the 90 and 9, but they know how to stay in the safe place. The one that wanders off doesn't know how to stay in the safe place. They they get over the edge and over the edge and over the edge and over the edge and pretty soon they're at the edge of a cliff and don't even know it. You got me? So God ordains a retrieval system for them. And sometimes it can be a shock to you when God shows up and what he says and who he sends for you. Amen? So we need to understand that. You need to know if you're one of those people that, you know, you don't need all this slapping around and stuff and you walk right with God, you may be the one to deliver the snap, the slap. You know what I'm saying? And and you can't be one of those people that wants to make nice with everybody. Nor can you be a person that's abrasive and cruel and wicked and mean and all that. He don't give this kind of work to mean people. Amen. He gives it to his people who are obedient and mature. So this is not about you and that individual. This is about that individual and God and what God wants for them and what God wants them to do. You know, it'll shock you how there are couples of people that are are coming into churches, signing up as members, and, you know, two men living together. And, and, you know, the church just lets them come in and, and never addresses it from the pulpit. You know, some of this stuff they preach can't keep a flea saved. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it's just so watered down and so uh, user-friendly and there's very little word preached. You know, people have to come under conviction to change. They think they're okay. They never change. It is not the church's job to fill up pews with with bodies that are going to hell. God don't want your money. He wants you to have his life. Amen. So many things get on the basis of numbers and money and you know, buildings and all that kind of stuff. That's not what God's about. Jesus never had a building to preach from. His father owned all them synagogues and he could barely preach in any of them. So you know buildings aren't important to God. Souls are important to God. We know it takes buildings to house his work and all that, but we need to understand that that's not at the the forefront of his ideas, you know. People criticized Oral Roberts for building the city of faith. They said, all that money went to waste. He said, that, he said, when you obey God, money is never wasted. And he said, God is more interested in concepts than he is in buildings. He wanted to make sure people knew it was okay to take a pill while you're waiting on God to heal your body with the word. You got me? So once that gets established, then God's work is done. God just say, hey, God say, I'm done with the hospital. You, 
You understand what I'm saying? I've proven to people where my heart is. Because the old time, you know, spirit filled and Pentecostal people, they'd start condemning people for going to doctors. You know, because they felt like everybody ought to be able to believe. Well, that's not true. People believe how they believe. And God is a merciful God. He doesn't want to cut you off just because you can't believe the word to get you delivered for something right now. You're working on it. Amen. Like everybody else, you're working on it. Amen. And he gives you time to work on it. He's not pushing us around. And so we have to understand where God's heart is. But God's heart is to get people free is to get them in truth, get them to live a productive spiritual life so that they can can enjoy the life that he's given them. And he will go to any lengths he needs to go to to retrieve one soul. Amen. So we talked about what 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 it mean what what it means to to have a righteous act. Uh what a righteous act really is and it's one that leads to righteousness that gets a person freed up out of darkness and gets them over into where uh, God wants them, over into the will of God. Righteous acts are born out of love. They're not born out of uh, pride or indignance or wanting to tell somebody off or get somebody straight or get them told or any of that nonsense. Uh, this this kind of, of word comes to somebody who has a heart of love for God and heart of love for God's people and is concerned about people, prays for them, understands what God has in store for us and is willing to do whatever is necessary to see to it that God's will is carried out. So you may be one of those people that God will have people give a rebuke or a kind rebuke or or whatever, you know, to snap them out of their their make-believe world. You know, we, we deal with a lot of make-believe in this world. Amen. I mean, there's people, is you, you know, you go on Facebook. I hate to click on Facebook all the time, but everybody's on there. Well, they have like something like over 5 billion worldwide subscribers. It's way up in the billions, folks. And there's so many people that are on there making up stuff about themselves. You know, I see people on there and and I said, I know her. I said, she ain't no queen. Latifa ain't no queen either. You understand what I'm saying? <laughs> Where'd she get crowned all of a sudden? I missed that ceremony. Girl, you better peel them nails off and stick on and pop off. You understand what I'm saying? She even got a, a don't even have a, a shenanigans nail job. Huh? Got to stick on and peel off. Well, you can laugh. I'll get everybody laughing. <laughs> but it's the truth. Queen, can somebody get a do a nails for real? You know what I'm saying? At least. My goodness. So we got a lot of people to pull out of their imaginary world. Do you understand what I'm saying? People who have truth in them, like real Christians, not the fake ones. Amen. You see these people go from begging for, for uh, followers to then they get to be an apostle and then they disappear. Huh? Never should have appeared in the first place. 
you know, don't embarrass yourself. Just gonna be normal. You know what I'm saying? Just get your job, pay your bills, love God. You know, that's living to me. Amen. That's living. Just loving Him is living. Amen. So Psalm 141 verse 5. Did we read that already? Yeah. Okay. I'm sorry. So, so it'll be a kindness. And, and God says that he will deliver us. Amen. He says here, attend to my cry. I'm sorry. Oh, 141. Okay. All right. I read it already. So anyway, what, what God does though is he gives us words for one another from time to time that will deliver us out of deception, deliver us out of darkness, Deliver us out of our pain, deliver us out of mourning, deliver us out of poverty, deliver us out of the throes of the enemy. And when we understand that God is for us and he, when you cry out for help to God, you don't know what form he's going to send that help in. And he will send it somewhere, sometimes just knowing your heart cry. And he wants to deliver us. He wants to keep us in in the right standing with him so he can bless us. See, anything a righteous person does on our behalf is a kindness. I don't care how rough it sounds. I don't care how unpleasant it sounds. That person, because they are righteous, they have heard from God and they have your right motive in their heart. They have a right word for you. They have right understanding for you. And so this righteous slap comes because people can sit and hear the word in the same church you're sitting here in the word in and never obey it, never pay much attention to it. It goes by them. And that doesn't mean that God does not want them to do well. He wants them to receive every single word that comes out of his mouth. Whether it's through the mouth of a, a minister, a wife, mouth of a parent, a spouse, whoever it comes from. He wants us to receive the word at all times, not just gloss over it. See, a lot of times we think we don't have to listen to people because of who we think they are. Do you understand what I'm saying? You, you know, and we don't honor God's word the way we should sometimes. You know, everybody got their pet preacher they like to hear talk. And you go find them on YouTube, wherever you can find them, you sit down, you're so comfortable. And then, you know what, what'll happen though on YouTube, they, you know, if you, if you search certain people, they have them categorized. So the next time you go on there, somebody else will pop up. Amen. You say, I don't know him. I don't know what they, and you get on there and listen to him, you get slapped all upside your head. You realize you've been on dope from your favorite preacher. Amen. You've been lulled into a false sense of comfort. And that person come on there and let you know you ain't believing nothing. You ain't operating in faith. You ain't even doing a little bit. Amen. And you need to know that. Amen. So God will cure you from, from, you know, your, your, uh, pet this and your pet that. Amen. He'll give you the straight up word. So he has a way to, <clears throat> to get the word to you. And yeah, God can use YouTube, he can use Facebook, he can use anything to get a word to his children. But he will use a righteous vessel or a vessel he has sent in righteousness to you to deliver that word to you. Amen. God can put his spirit on anybody. There are times when sinners have a word for us. Amen. It is true. And they they don't care how you feel about it either. Most of the time. 
They're not trying to, to win you over. And so how we feel about one another cannot be the motive here. The motive here must be obedience to God and, and delivering what the message that God has for us to deliver. So uh, over in uh, the book of John, Gospel of John, chapter 4, we see the uh, story of uh, Jesus and meeting the woman at the well of Samaria and so uh, there's a lot here that we can can gain but uh, the motive here is righteousness because you can trust Jesus he he never sinned so you can never say there was a wrong motive in anything that he did his motive was always correct and there are some things that that he did in love and in righteousness we can't even imagine ourselves doing amen and why is that? Because we, we're not in the place of righteousness where he was. See, he did all things well. Some of us, we lead somebody to the Lord and we, our mind is blown for like 10 years. I can't believe God did. Oh, I can't believe God did. I can't believe God did. You understand what I'm saying? We doing the best we can now. God loves us and he's going to use us, but we don't have his, his level. Amen. He he had the spirit without measure. He was in an office that we can't attain to when when he did most of these things. He's the king of glory. He's the head of the church. So you'll see Jesus doing some what looks like outrageous things that we can't imagine ourselves doing, but they are righteous acts because they're born out of his heart of love and his heart of obedience to the father amen and that's what righteousness is whenever you you determine to be obedient to the father you you you'll find yourself doing those things that are sometimes a little unorthodox sometimes a little mm, i don't know edgy you know sometimes you'll be reluctant to speak up amen that's why God says, don't even try to think of nothing. Just open that big mouth of yours and I will fill it. Huh? You have that happen a lot, don't you? So so if you're attempting to serve God, you know you can trust him that whatever comes out of your mouth, that's the righteousness that he wants you to deliver. And we have to be faithful with that. Amen. You have to be faithful with what God gives you. So here we have in John chapter 4, <clears throat> it says in verse 4, he, Jesus said to him, so he left Judea and departed again in, in to Galilee, and that's verse 3. He must needs go through Samaria. So he had to go to get where he was going. He had to go through Samaria. He said, then he came to the city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near to a parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied of his journey, sat thus on the well, and it was about the sixth hour. And then there came a woman of Samaria to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me something to drink, or give me the, some water to drink. For his disciples were gone away unto the city to buy meat. So he's there alone with this woman. Then said the woman of Samaria to him, How is it that you, being a Jew, asks of me, which am a woman of Samaria? 
for the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. Now, this this conversation is a little goofy. Do you understand what I'm saying? Because in that culture, women typically came to draw water for the from the family, and it was customary. It was a an act of hospitality that if there were weary, if you're drawing water, you got a bucket, and you have a, a, a you know a little dipper or whatever to, to scoop some water out. It was customary if there were weary people sitting there, you got all the goods. You got the bucket, you got the water, you got everything. You passed out water to anybody that was thirsty. That was customary. So all she had to do was give him water and keep it moving. Amen? But she didn't do that. Now, the well was also known to be a place where people met one another. People conversed with one another. People chatted with one another. So it was okay to chat, but get a man at water first. You got me? So my suspicion is on her. Now, I don't know where y'all coming from, but I don't trust her already just from this conversation. Because she's putting conversation ahead of his comfort. You didn't do that. And especially when women who were dealing with men. Men were usually workers. They were thirsty. Look at Moses. He met his wife at the well. Amen. Rebecca and Jacob, they, you know, people commonly met at the well and the women were usually drawing water for the needs for the family for the whole day. The men would often help them pull the water up. Amen. And if it, the door opened for conversation later, then you had conversation. Amen. But you don't put conversation first. So she starts talking to him. And she said, you, you people think you're better than us. How, why are you talking to me? You, you don't talk to us people. Now, I ain't that swift on, you know, street stuff and pickup lines and, but this sounds like a pickup line to me. I'm just saying now. I ain't blaming this on the Lord or nobody. But this whole conversation sounds a little goofy to me. Poppy, what you think? You got any thoughts on this one right here? It was a little goofy. It's a little goofy. Amen. So she's fishing, folks. Amen. She's fishing. And she says, how is it that you're talking to me? Hmm? This is like, you know, the girl that never got a date sitting on the sidelines and the captain of the football team comes up and smiles at her. Oh, wow, you talking to me? I see you playing football and y'all don't never come over. How come you talking to me? You know, he's just being polite. He ain't meaning nothing. He ain't got no ring in his pocket. Who got me? You know, there are people that are fishing so much, they'll take any hook and put it in the water and try to pull somebody up on it. Amen? 
So she says, you have no dealings with the Samaritans. Nor is she looking for from him. Oh, no, I like you. I don't think I'm better than you. I'm talking to you because, you know, you're a nice lady. You this, you that, you the other. She's looking for a compliment. Amen. When you start out negative like that, you know, Poppy, I'm struggling here. I don't, you know, these other guys ain't helping me out. They acting like they, you know, want to be invisible right about now. I don't know, but you know what I'm saying. This is a little pickup line here. She said, y'all don't usually talk to us. Why are you talking to me? Huh? Mm-hmm. Jesus answered and said to her, if you knew the gift of God. Now, this is what I call the velvet hammer. You understand what I'm saying? This is a slap butt. Right? If you knew, see, if most, see, now let me help you, you Christian brothers out a little bit. Now you see, you know, this is why we talk about slapping a little bit. You know, it's a, it's a soft one. But if you would start talking about God to most of the women you encounter, you'd be a soul winner instead of a casualty. Huh? Yeah. You, you'd be known as a soul winner instead of a casualty. So he drops God on her first, first opportunity. He asks for the water. She responds. He drops God on her. He said, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that's saying to you, give me something to drink, you would have asked of him and he would have given you living water. Amen. If you knew the gift of God, so he's got to introduce her to the gift of God. Amen? Cause she's ignorant. She, you know, she talking here this worldly conversation. She talking nonsense. And he's saying, I got more than that to offer you. In other words, sister, I ain't the one. I ain't number six. Well, I got a little grunt out of somebody. Let me see. <laughs> I ain't getting no real strong amens, but that's okay. That okay. Amen. And then he, she said to him, sir, you don't have anything to draw with. And the well is deep. In other words, this ought to be her introduction to say, let me give you a drink. But she ain't going there. She's there for conversation. She ain't there for nothing else but that. She said, the well is deep. From where are you going to get that living water? She said, are you greater than our father Jacob, which gave us the well and drank thereof himself and his children and his cattle? So she got something for you religious brothers. Huh? Ain't that how it goes? You start talking God to somebody and she going to talk more God to you than you know. Duh. She just been to church last Sunday and here's Saturday night and she fishing for husband number seven. And Jesus answered and said to him, Whosoever drinks of this water shall thirst again. Talking about the well. But whosoever drinks 
of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. So he's saying, while we talking about water, since you just started talking about water now, I can tell you about water you don't know anything about. Amen? So he doubles down on his conversation with her to bring her back over into the things of God. And the woman said to him, sir, give me this water that I thirst not, neither come here to draw. So she calling his blood. Right. And Jesus said, here, now here's where the hammer comes, the real hammer. And he says, go call your husband and then come back. Amen. It was customary. Now, Jesus is, is, you know, considered a Jew. This lady Samaritan, Samaria was the, the, uh, uh, capital or, or the, the head of the, the, um, northern kingdom, uh, Israel and, and, uh, Benjamin formed the nation of Israel. Samaria was their capital at one time. They used to come and worship there. So now there's remnants of worship. There's fragments and fractions of worship. And Jesus is coming to pull all these people back to God through the gospel. So he's there for the Samaritans. He's there for the Jews. He came to his own. They didn't receive him. The Gentiles began began to receive him. He's the God of everybody. He wants to see everybody saved. And so he begins to tell this woman about what God is going to give her and what she's entitled to. But it was customary also for Jewish or Hebrew people that women did not engage with men in conversation outside of their husband's presence there. And so Jesus brings her back into the reality of what's proper and what's proper. He cuts her some slack because she's a Samaritan and they're they're far away from the covenants of God at this time. But he also brings her into what is is customary and what is right and what is proper. Because she don't know that stuff. She'd been living on her own, doing her own thing, dipping in and out of religion when she wanted to. You know the type. You know, now I've lived long enough to see what happens in many churches. You know, kids start out in the things of God, they go away. They get grown, they go away. Some for good reasons, some for not good reasons. But they stray away from God little bit by little bit. Every year they get farther and farther away unless God can retrieve them. Then they start having a family, married or unmarried. Do you understand what I'm saying? And they want to get back to God again, bring the kids to church. No husband, just the kids. You got me? And they start getting back with God again. Then little by little they stray away again. It's this revolving door that we call living for God. There are tons of people like that. And they think that people are just supposed to be there and everything's normal when they come in. They don't repent. They don't clean up. They just keep living that sinful life. But they come to church. They're religious. They do their thing. Do you understand what I'm saying? Now, in between there, somebody should have come to them with a righteous slap and say, girl, don't you know if you start living for God, he has such beautiful things for you? You're down there in court struggling to get child support payments from a man that never loved you and you never loved him. Do you understand what I'm saying? Don't you think God has something better for you? 
See, if they get that, they are confronted with the opportunity to make a decision to obey God in life, to quit this merry-go-round of thinking that they're okay. They can hold you a religious conversation better than you can hold yourself. You got me? That doesn't mean anything. Talk is very cheap. It's what you live that makes all the difference in the world. Amen? It's what you live. And so we, we've lost sight of the fact that we need to, to have a conversation with some of these people to set them right before God. You know, when they come back to visit, how you living? How you doing? Come on in and talk to me for a little bit. Do you understand what I'm saying? Take some of these people to lunch sometimes and see if you can't counsel them back into right relationship with God. This is what we need to do. We don't do it. We just sit and look. People come in and come back and they're living rough. They're not happy. They don't have much to look forward to. Why? Because nobody's offering them truth. Nobody's offering them that little slap back over into repentance and the right standing with God. So Jesus tells her, go find your husband. Amen. He brings her into a a culture now. This is the Jewish culture. You don't stand and talk to a man if you're a woman married or single. You don't have conversation with a man just talking to him. Amen. If you're married, go get your husband. We'll have a convo. We'll have a family conversation. Amen. And the woman answered and said to him, I have no husband. And Jesus said to her, you have well said you have no husband, for you have had five husbands. Ouch! There's the slap. Amen? And all he's doing is telling her, he's expounding on the truth that she already put out there. She was the one to start the conversation that she don't have no husband. Amen. So he decides it's his time to finish it for her. And he said, the woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said, you have said that. Well, you don't have a husband for you have had five husbands. And the man you're with now is not your husband. You told the truth that time, girl. (laughs) All the rest of this stuff you've been talking has been nonsense. Amen. Oh, tell me about this living water. And what you what you gonna do? You can give me some water. You need me, little old me. You gonna give me some water? Should have slapped her then. You understand what I'm saying? I would have. No. You understand what I'm saying? But he allows the conversation to develop. She boxes herself into a corner. You understand what I'm saying? It takes skill, but it takes restraint. You understand what I'm saying? Because most of us sometimes would think things that we dare not say, and then we don't know how to turn it over to God to see if God has a way for us to reach people, because we really want to reach people. You don't want to just be mean to people. You want to reach people with truth. You want to see people live right before God so they can be blessed. You're not trying to put restrict everybody's fun so they don't have no fun no more. That's nonsense. We're here to to aid the the work of the ministry. Amen. We're here to aid the work of Christ. And people cannot get blessed living in unrighteousness. You know that and I know that. It's all over the word. And so he said, you have said that truly. 
And then the woman, instead of saying ouch and running away, she said, oh, wow, I see you're a prophet. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I mean, what else can you say? Amen. Now she got to give him his props for real. Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. And then she goes back in her religious thing. Our fathers worshipped in this mountain, and you say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. Jesus said to him, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you shall neither in this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem worship the Father. He said, you don't wor- you worship what what you don't know. He said, we know what we worship for salvation is of the Jews. Amen. He said, this is our legacy. This is what we are put into the earth to display and to give to people. He says, but the hour is coming and now is when true worshipers shall worship the father in spirit and in truth. For the father seeks such to worship him. God is a spirit. And they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. The door now, see, when he he hits her with the truth and she drops all her crazy talk and all her defenses. And this is the purpose of the righteous slap. It's to open that person's mind and heart up to receiving truth. And anybody responsible, once that door is open, will continue to minister truth to them. Amen. He shares as much with her in this one conversation as he does with his disciples. Because he's slapping them all the time for their unbelief and, you know, hardness of heart and selfishness. You know, the two brothers bring their mama to tell Jesus where she want her, they're my babies. You put one over here and one over there. You understand what I'm saying? So they're all the time mixing it up. He's all the time having to straighten them out. And at the end of his life, they all abandoned him because they most of them didn't hear nothing he ever told them. Now, that's just the truth. But then he knows the Holy Spirit is coming, and that Holy Spirit will open up truth to them they can't refuse. You got me? And so here he begins this discourse to this woman who is living in sin, flirting with him, trying to get him off all on, off track, not being respectful to him as a man of God, really. You understand what I'm saying? All of this stuff, he's pouring out all this revelation to her. I don't know if a Christian that don't under, that can't quote to you, God is spirit and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. And he imparted that truth to somebody who we would claim is hardly worthy to receive such deep revelation. But he shares it with her because that's the message he came to give her. You understand what I'm saying? That there's a new way that you're going to worship God. You don't have to go here and there to worship him. He's seeking people like you. He's looking for you so that you can worship him for real. So he lays all of this down before her so that she can see that there is a uh, an end to this conversation, that there's a point, there's a righteous uh, uh, release for her, there's information for her, there's revelation for her, there's some things that are causing her to have hope. Where she's going to get off the, the, you know, the shacking thing with one man after another. And, and having a, a bad reputation in the town. 
You know, this is your day to be elevated, sister. Amen. You don't have to keep picking up guys at the well. Amen. I mean, you know, that's where the good girls found their husbands. You got me? <laughs> Moses found her. You mean, you, now you got to be careful about who you talk to at the well. You know what I'm saying? It ain't a safe place no more. Amen. And so it's it's one of those things. And so he has righteous revelation to bring to this woman. He has good understanding to give her. It's not like he's counting her sins against her at this point. You got me? It, this is something about the righteous slap. You can you can can try and help people, but at some point human flesh gets frustrated trying to break through their veil of flesh. You know what I'm saying? You just, hey man, if you, that's where you want to live. You know what I'm saying? Go at it. But, but he stays with it. He, he knows that there's more to get from the Holy Spirit. He knows that there's deeper in her heart that his words can penetrate so that she can get hope for a better way of living. And that's what he's there to impart to her. And that's really the end result of any of our dealings with people. When we preach the gospel to them, we share with them. You know, sometimes you might have to get what you call a little rough and put your foot down and tell them, you know what, you can't live like this. This this is not going to cut it for you and God and you know it. So get the courage to come out. Let me pray with you so that you can get the courage to come out of where you're living now and move up higher. Amen. There's higher to go yet, Wheezy. You, we ain't reached the top yet. Amen. We moving on up. We just go this move up higher day for you. And so she said to him, and this is a kind of interesting thing. This woman, you look at somebody, all the things she's saying to him, she's bouncing back and forth between her usual pickup line for the next, for husband number seven. You know what I'm saying? Cause she's probably mad at the, brother she living with or maybe he back at his wife's house this morning you just don't know you don't know what kind of stress this sister is under you don't know we're just gonna give her the benefit of doubt right poppy you know he could be under pressure you know what i'm saying you know he telling you better not he probably told you, you better not talk to nobody at that well neither that's where you found me i better not catch you can't talk to nobody he don't want her. She don't want him. You got me? Ah, oh, it's the truth and y'all know it. Maybe you probably never lived it, but you know enough people who have. Amen. Jesus says those that worship God must worship him in spirit and in truth. And what has he been doing? He's been giving her a lot of truth. Amen. And she's thinking about this. She said, hmm. She says, this man has told me everything I ever did. Amen. I mean, not all of it, but she knows he knows it all now. And so she thinks about this. And she says to him, I know that Messiah is coming, which is called the Christ. And when he has come, he will tell us all things. So she's getting close to the, the revelation of who he is. Amen. She's getting close. And she's wondering to herself, could God really be visiting me? He knows everything. He knows all my faults. He knows who I'm with now. He knows, he knows everything. And he's still talking to me. 
He's still giving me information. He's giving me a blessing. He's telling me things. See, this is what happens to people when we speak to them and we hit them with that word of righteousness. It opens them up to understand, you know what? God sent you here to help me. He must really love me. You don't know what the devil's been telling them for years. You ain't no good. God ain't God. God is through with you. Look at how you living. You ain't never getting back with God. You who you think you are. You going to hell. Got me? And so she begins to open up and understand, you know, God really, really does love me. He wants to show me some things. He's helping me here. And and when she said, I know that Messiah is coming, she's been understanding some things about God's kingdom. Now here she is living way over here in sin. Everybody knows her. She got a reputation. Amen. And here God comes to her in righteousness and love and begins to open up the kingdom to her. Yeah, the kingdom is open to you too. Amen. Even you can have the good things of God. Even you can have your sins forgiven. And Jesus said to her, I then am speaking to you, am he. He said, I am the Messiah. So he knows that her understanding is opened up enough for him to tell her the rest of the truth. You would see him doing that with disciples. He never really spoke it out. He would ask them, who do you think I am? And when Peter told him, and he told him, "You, this is the right thing, because you didn't get that from what you heard from people. Flesh and blood didn't tell you that. God the Father spoke that to you himself. God the Father is the one who invites us to receive Christ. It, it's the Father's will that's being done. It's not, if it were Jesus, he'd go and, and get everybody today. You understand what I'm saying? But the Father has the master program. It's, and that's consistent with, with Jewish culture and tradition. When you got married, you didn't just go find somebody. And they didn't just find you. Your parents had to introduce you. You know, in a proper relationship and a proper marriage, the parents found out who that person was before you even hardly met them. And the parents had to approve. So when he says the father revealed me to you, that means that we get married. We have a covenant now. We have a commitment now because the father God picked you out and introduced you to me and told you who I was. And when that happens, that means that you have a revelation of Christ as your Lord, your Savior, and Messiah. And the only thing for you left to do is say yes or say I do. Or say, I received Jesus into my heart. I have that. You you get that because the Holy Spirit burns it in you. He puts you under conviction that this is a holy thing. I can't just leave this right here. I've got to make a decision and I've got to do something. And so with that, you know, people are, are able to make their decision for Christ. But trust me, it's Jesus says, no man can come to me unless the Father draws him. So the Father sticks the Holy Ghost on people that are next in line to receive Christ. Then he sees us, sends some of us that hardly know what we're doing half the time to open our mouth and he'll fill it with words. And there's no right and no wrong way to lead people to the Lord. 
You, you understand what I'm saying? I mean, the Roman road is good to put it in your mind that there's a pattern. But whatever God puts in your mouth to share with people, amen, is is necessary. It's It's the way in for them. There are some people that have all the pieces of the puzzle and they got one little piece missing, just like this woman. That one little missing piece caused her to live in sin over and over and over again because she couldn't quite put it all together. But she knew that she knew they were expecting the Messiah to come. And when he came, that would be the end of all of her problems. She could now rest now that Messiah. And he told her, he said, I'm the Messiah. And upon this came his disciples and marveled that he talked with the woman. Why? Because it was not customary. It wasn't proper. Amen. She was a Samaritan and in these, uh, his disciples were as prejudiced against outsiders as the rest of the Pharisees and all the rest of them were. They just grew up like that. Separated. You're up here, they're down there. Amen. Jesus comes and levels the playing field. So he draws people to himself who are, are controversial. He gets the tax collector. Amen. He gets fishermen. He gets all kinds of people. He, he begins to draw women who aren't living right. And he converts them because it's their time. Amen. And so he says when, when the disciples came and they marveled that, that he was talking with the woman, yet no man said, why are, why are you seeking this or why are you talking to her? In other words, they didn't question him about her. They just marveled and kept it to themselves. Now, this is kind of unusual for the disciples because they want to know everything. You understand what I'm saying? You know, with the Syrophoenician woman, what did they say about her? Oh, she's well, let's just Let's make her get away. We don't want her with us. Amen. They're looking for permission to get in the flesh. Amen. They marveled that he, he didn't, that he was talking to her, but they weren't able to say anything. Why do you think that's true? And you know I was going to ask you that, right? <laughs> Why do you think they couldn't think of anything to say? Them, that bunch, all 12 of them, come ganging back up there again. And they're all speechless. This is unusual. Very unusual. There are times when God will sanctify a conversation. And Jesus has just had a conversation with her where he's revealed himself to her as Messiah. You know how many people could steal that revelation from her? Come on now. The young man that was born blind made the mistake of going back in the temple and they jumped on him like a pack of pariahs. Amen. Who did that? Where'd you get that from? Who told, who was that man? The devil does that to steal revelation from God. Isn't that what the Bible says? Immediately when the word is sown, the devil comes to steal it away from you right away. Well, Jesus ain't going to have his people working against him. He made them all shut up and didn't have to tell them nothing. See, God will sanctify moments for people. He will keep them holy. 
by not allowing any conversation to come in to steal what Jesus just. See, when she he tells her, I'm the Messiah, that means something to her. When she's if she's looking for him, she's looking for somebody who's not going to treat her bad. She's looking for the Messiah wouldn't come here and make me feel small. The Messiah wouldn't come here and just tell me all my sin without having some good news for me. And he wouldn't ignore me like the rest of the Jews and make me feel small. He's not going to do that. He's going to enlighten me and lift me up. And so the Lord allows that news to sink in this whole conversation. It's got to sink in on her and it's got to work on her. How many of you know people you've told the truth about things too and they still operate in darkness? Amen. It's because that, that truth has to sink in on them. So God sanctifies this conversation by not allowing the, the disciples to say what's on their minds. They're thinking it, but they can't get the words together. Amen. God will do that to you. You'll just be trying to say something and it just You ever had that conversation where somebody just got mad at you and told you off and you said, I used to be able to have something to say back. (laughs) I can't think of nothing right now. Amen. Or 10 minutes later, you get home. I should have said so. (laughs) God just, you know, he he's the umpire. He says, safe, go home, shut up. Don't say nothing to nobody else. Don't say it. Don't tell it. Amen. So this conversation Jesus has with her is pivotal. These some encounters he has with people that we see in the word with him are pivotal conversations. The interaction with the Gadarene demoniac, pivotal. Why? Because he left him there. He didn't let him follow him. That was unusual. Because he did more good telling his testimony to all those towns that he had control over than he ever would have had sitting at Jesus' feet and being a baby Christian for the rest of his life. You know, you ever seen some people who can just run with God? They just got saved not too long ago and they're running with God and never stop. Amen? And then some people sit on a pew for 15 years and still scratching their head. Can't get their bills paid. You understand what I'm saying? And so we, we have to understand that, that there are different walks for people. There are different, there are crucial situations. There's crucial people. There are crucial interactions that Jesus has with people who will make a difference like nobody else can. And it just happens to be this lady right here. So she's converted. She has truth imparted to her. She's, uh, uh, allowed, amen, to have a voice. So when Jesus says that, that, that he's, he's the Messiah and the disciples came and they marveled that he was talking to her, but they kept it to themselves. And you notice Jesus oftentimes when, when people around him are thinking things, he pulls it out into the open. Why reason ye in these heart, in your heart? Why are you reasoning in your heart this, that? And he calls them out. Why are you asking yourself why I told this young man to his sins were forgiven and said, tell him to get off the mat? Amen. Why are you asking yourself that? So they knew better than to think off stuff in front of Jesus. 
because he was liable to call him out if it was important. But you will notice Jesus lets us stay hidden. Amen. And they probably look at each other and say, he ain't said nothing. <laughs> Maybe he's having a slow day. We can get away with a little murder here. You understand what I'm saying? So, so in, 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 and, uh, he said to him, the woman then left her water pot. She didn't want no water. Never wanted water. Oh, come on, you sisters, let's, huh? Poppy, the sisters didn't get it. I got it. You get it? Yeah. She didn't want no water in the first place. Hey. She was like, I got you. Huh? I got you. I just got this water pot. You notice he never got a drink. He didn't preach and everything. Never had a bottle of water sitting there. He had nothing. Huh? So she, <laughs> come on now, that, this water pot is a prop. It may, it might have a hole in the bottom for all we know. Come on, y'all. Get with me. The brothers is going, really? I didn't know all that. Give me a sip, you know? <laughs> Left her water pot. But I think there was an unction in her. She couldn't think of anything else but letting everybody know because everybody is waiting for Messiah. And there are rumors going around that he's here, he's preaching, he heals people, he's does he's doing miracles, and you need to get to see him or get to know him. Everybody wants to find out if Jesus is the Messiah for real. So she left her water pot and went her way into the city and said to the men, Come on, y'all. Is this a shock? I'm not going to ask Poppy. (laughs) He got it too quick that time. That's her crowd. You think the women in the city talk to her? Huh? They'll be singing Jolene. You understand what I'm saying? What you singing back there? That ain't even a song. No, it's not. No. Jolene, 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 Jolene. Please don't take my man. Huh? That's what them women saying. She ain't even a kind of person. See how y'all made me go old school to find that one. Huh? That's the Dolly Parton thing. You know how them country people put it out there playing for you. They'll leave nothing to your imagination. Yeah, but they avoided her. They didn't want her to go to lunch with them. They didn't want to come home with them. They didn't want nothing to do with her. So she goes to her peeps. Amen. Men listen to her all the time. Just saying, folks. You got to start in your Jerusalem. Wherever that is. Amen. You know, you start talking to your friends you used to kick it with. And then they start making their decision. 
no girl i'm i'm gonna do this i don't know what you're talking about you do your thing i ain't gonna stop you every people i ain't gonna try to stop you you just go do your thing and so she went went her way and said to the men come see a man which told me all things that ever i did is not this the christ she begins to share that message before the devil can steal it from her. Because if she don't share it, she won't get her work done. The more you share it, the more you build yourself up in that truth and you can hold on to that truth. Because see, she got non-husband number six waiting for her at home. Do you understand what I'm saying? You don't know what people have to face when they get home and what effect it's going to have on them. So she gets to be used by God and share what she can share while the news is hot. Amen. While there's an anointing on it. While it's, it's, it's right truth in her. Amen. It's, and she understands what God has done. And she said, come see him. Then they went out of the city and came to Jesus. She takes them to him. Amen. And she begins to evangelize Samaria. First one. And so she begins to tell people what she knows. And she tells them, I know I ain't what her thing is this. Now listen, I know I ain't nobody. And usually I come and want to flirt with y'all and I tell y'all dirty jokes and y'all can say anything to me. But I want you to come here and hear what I heard. This man told me everything I ever did. Amen. And she she's like, now some of y'all know some stuff and you know some stuff and you know some stuff and you know some stuff. But this man know all of it. He got to be God. Amen. So she tells them and brings them to Jesus. And she said, uh, they went out of the city, and in the meanwhile, his disciples prayed him. They went out of the city and came unto him. In the meanwhile, his disciples prayed him, saying, Master, have something to eat. And he said unto them, now see, they're snapping out of that holy hush that they were in. Amen. They're snapping out. They're getting back to business because they left to go get some food. Amen. While they're going buying food, Jesus has converted a whole city. Amen. And he said, my meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish the work. Amen. In other words, I sent you all away from food, but it wasn't for me to eat none of it. Amen. Get a clue. (laughs) You've been working with me all these years and you still don't know what I'm up to. And he says, "Say, don't say to yourselves, there are yet four months and then comes the harvest. Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look into the fields for they are right already to harvest. I don't know a Christian that doesn't know that scripture. That the fields are ripe to harvest. Look around. There's people in your midst that need to know Jesus. They may be living a rough life and may, they may, may be going about like they ain't thinking about God, but you never know the inner work is. Who knew this woman had this much understanding of Jesus the Messiah in her while she's yet in sin? It's the same thing we need to think about. They are some of the people we think are the roughest people or the ones so far because they talk so rough and they live so rough. And they're abrasive to be around. You don't want to be around them. Amen? Because you live holy. 
But you have a message for them. Jesus didn't come to be husband number seven. He came to bring her a message. Amen. And if the other people would get that message, they can be effective for people like her. Amen. So Jesus said, I really didn't want nothing which I'll get to eat. That wasn't a purpose. He says, my meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. And don't say that we have a long time to do this work. I say the fields are already ripe to harvest. You can get the Holy Spirit involved in some of these normal conversations that you have every day. Some of these people you think are so hardcore and so hard to win over and so rough in their conversation, so abrasive, mean to you, not friendly, all of that. Those people are, that's that's harvest, folks. That's ripe wheat waiting for you to put the sickle in. And he says, and he that reaps receives wages and gathers fruit into eternal life, that both he that sows and he that reaps may rejoice together. And herein is the saying true, one sows, another reaps. I sent you to reap that whereon you bestowed no labor. Other men labored, and you are entered into their labors. And many of the Samaritans of the city believed on him, for the saying of the woman which testified, he told me all ever I did. Now, what they're saying here is they believed enough to want to go and see for themselves. Amen. They're not looking at her as somebody who is uh, reliable, which you could say is a, a righteous witness or a true witness. She has that that experience with God. That she's given her testimony. So from that testimony, then you begin to get some truth in you. And that truth, she gave them enough truth to make them curious. Amen. She's enough of a bad witness to make them want to go verify it for themselves. Amen. Now, she had been one of the disciples or something like that. They might have believed right away. But they heard her say that, and they think, you think this man she might be telling the truth about? Well, let's go see. Amen? So she's the witness that prompts you to want to go see for yourself. Amen? She's not praying with everybody leading them to Christ. Amen? Not that kind of witness, that testimony. And they said, this woman said, he told us everything that we ever did. Now, people are are interesting. You know, they'll if somebody can... Give them information, you know, that they, that's secret, that they don't tell everybody, nobody knows. They tend to get their attention. That, that, that's an attention getter, let me put it to you that way. It's like these psychic people. They'll tell you, uh, uh, did you, you had a loss recently, it was, uh, and if you look like they're on the right track, they, the familiar spirit will give them more information. You know what I'm saying? They don't give it to people who aren't interested, you know. And so he says, so when the Samaritans were come to him, they besought him that he would stay with them. And he stayed there how long? Two days. Amen. He was, he was welcome to stay there two days sharing the word with them and sharing truth with them. So this lady was a, a valuable key to an open door to Samaria for him to, to share the truth with those people who had been outcasts, who had felt like God had abandoned them. 
because they didn't worship there anymore. They talked about all of the, the landmarks and things that, that the Jews had left there, but they were outcast to the Jews. They didn't have any dealings with them. And, and this woman had told Jesus that. So he crossed out over that line and began to have conversation with her, even though it was not customary for women to just talk to men, you know, just meeting them. And he stayed with them two more days. And many more believed because of his own word. Amen. It's good to get the word of the Lord for yourself. It's good. You know, somebody can give you a good testimony, but that shouldn't be what you live off of. You don't live off of the relationship God has with other people. It is to stir you up to get to know him for yourself. And and to work that, that truth of that testimony, the Bible said the testimony of Jesus Christ is the spirit of prophecy. And that thing will will begun will bring life to you. It'll spring life to you in the time you need it. And and so but but there's more life to be absorbed. There's there's more truth to learn about Jesus. Uh, there's more that he can tell you himself if you will take that testimony as a springboard over into the kingdom so you can find out what he can do for you personally. I mean, what's, what, well, how does he feel about me? I know what he told that lady and I know how he feels about her. He, he must have some, some love for her and he must be willing to accept her because he's told her all these things about worship, all these things about living water, all these things about her past. And he still continued to talk to her. He knows her past, yet he gives her attention and gives her time. And he's not wanting to take her home with him. Amen? Because Jesus already said, hey, foxes have holes and, and, you know, everybody got, lions got dens, but I don't have no place to take you to. Amen? If you're going to follow me, you're going to follow me on the streets or wherever I am. Amen? This is, this ain't for you to, you know, think you're going to pile up, put your feet up on my furniture and stuff. We ain't going there. Amen? It's going to cost you something to follow me. And he lets everybody know that. And so they, and many more believe because of his, see, he got her. She was the hook to get everybody curious about who this was that told her all this stuff. And she said, don't you think he's the Messiah? She said, I think he is. In fact, Jesus had told her, reassured her, that's who he was. And it says, and then they said many more believed on him because of his own word. And they said to the woman, now we believe not because of your sayings or your saying only. Amen. In other words, we're not, we're not in your group. See, when you receive God, you don't owe your life to the person that witnessed to you. Amen. They're merely the messenger, and, and oftentimes we kind of have to disconnect ourselves, you know, from the source, or what we thought was the source, you know. And he says, now we believe, not because of your saying, for we have heard him ourselves. In other words, we went a step further, and we sat and we spent two days with him. And he expounded to us things of the kingdom. We have grown so much richer than what you gave us. And that's the purpose of, of witness. That's the purpose of testimony. To get you interested enough to go here for yourself. So you can have Jesus for yourself. So you can have truth of your own that nobody can take away from you. 
He said, we've heard him for ourselves and we know that this is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. The reason Jesus was so adamant about making sure the Samaritans heard about him is that he understood that when he talked to to the Jews, most of them would resist him. Because his own prophecy says he came to his own, but his own received him not. So he knows for as much time as I spend with the Jews, he spent time with them. He was in the synagogues teaching. He was in the, the, the Pharisees ran him out, tried to kill him every time he came in there. They treated him bad. And then when he would, would, would win somebody or, or sow a seed or heal, heal somebody, they would threaten to throw him out of the synagogue if they followed Jesus. So if you were a Jew and you tried to follow the Messiah, you had a rough time. Amen. They have a rough time now. The ones of them that are, are saved, you know, trying to follow Christ and, and the enemy keeps telling them, don't say that word Jesus. You know, you can't use that word. You got me? So they try and say anything and that's where the power is. Why do you think Satan would take that word from them? And don't think Yeshua is equivalent. It's not. They say we, there is not salvation in any other name other than the name of Jesus. He came here as a real man. Yeshua was a name for him that they were given in the Old Testament. We're under new covenant. A new covenant is the name of Jesus. You know, people get all crazy. Jesus ain't good enough no more. They got go Yahweh, Yahweh, Abba. Yeah, just call his name. You get saved under that name. You get your prayers answered under that name. Everything's done in his name. He's given us his name. And don't be ashamed of that name because he'd be ashamed of you when you call him and you need something. So cut it out. Dance with the one that brung you to the dance. You got saved by him in that name. Stay with him. You won't go wrong. Do you understand me? You're always getting deceived and running off course for some reason. <laughs> People. But Jesus was able able to win that whole town. He stayed with them. Why? He knew he would fight. It was worth talking to a woman that shouldn't have been talked to by, by a decent Jewish man, let alone a holy man. It was worth the risk because he knew it wouldn't be a risk. Because he knew that these, if, he said, if I get the right one, you ever thought like that? <laughs> God thinks that way too. But whoever he knows is the right person. You got me? But he got the right person. Amen. He got a woman who wasn't afraid to go and talk to men. And the men could take their whole families in. You got me? In this day and age, we do it the reverse. There are many more women in churches than men. We still can't figure out how to get men to come to church. Say amen, somebody. Amen. But there's no male and female in Christ anymore. We can win whoever. But at that point, that was the culture they were in. It was a man. It's a man's world. You got me? <laughs> Bet you don't know that one, do you? You do. You don't know that one. She's like, I'm just too young, Pastor Bar. Whatever. But you all know what I'm talking about. Jesus picks the right people. There are pivotal people that he can save. That will get in there. You know, a lot of times we think, who if Michael Jackson could get saved? Come on now. 
God don't need Michael Jackson. He got you. You open your big mouth and you can get more people. Amen. <laughs> then he, you don't know how many people Michael Jackson got to pay money to and in his entourage and he got to meet them payments. You know, he might be good to just say Jesus one time, but he ain't hitting the road with the gospel. He all tied up. He's committed already. You understand what I'm saying? But God picks who he picks. And if you're in the kingdom, you're his pick. Amen? Amen. Why don't we stop? Father, thank you for your word and thank you for understanding. Thank you for goodness and mercy that follows us everywhere we go. Lord, it follows us all the days of our lives. We thank you so much for it, Lord. We bless you. We praise you. We honor you. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory, glory, glory. Praise God. Anybody need prayer, come on up and I'll pray for you and and we'll allow God to work in you. The Messiah is here. He has come. Amen. He has come. He's coming back again. Coming back for a church without spot, wrinkle, or any such thing. He's coming for people that have a heart for him because we've allowed him to work on us and tenderize our hearts and put us in a place where we can receive him and we can have him to ourselves. So we thank you, Lord. We bless you. We praise you. And we honor you. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise God.